uh, barbering from Rachel, and then that'll be followed by our talk from James. So, following on from that announcement about the Mark drama, we're going to look at the beginning of Mark. So, inside your cave, we'll be reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Thanks, Rachel. Now, if you can't hear me at the back, uh, do something like this or, you know, make sort of signs. You're all good. That's excellent. Um, Now, we're changing uh, track a bit today. Um, uh, unfortunately, we can't carry on with the series in Genesis just for now. So we thought it would be good to uh, sort of start looking at the book of Mark, because that's what we're going to be doing the drama on, which you're all going to go to that information session afterwards, aren't you? And then, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 that's right. Um, and then uh, also the talks from Jesus Weeks are probably going to be in Mark's Gospel as well. So we thought oh, it would be good to prep you a little bit for what's going on. And um, so that you can get excited. You can actually get excited about what Mark writes about. And hopefully you'll hear that today. So let's pray as we begin. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, this time, even through the distraction of having to change places and noise around us. We ask by your spirit that we might know your truth today, the good news of the Lord Jesus. Open our eyes and soften our hearts so we might know him. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, I have a bit of a vested interest in this first opening gambit. Um, in 1972, on the 5th of March, the Queen of the United Kingdom, right, <laughs> I have a vested interest in it, uh, visited another vested interest of mine, Singapore, because Singapore is where I work and 
actually much of my uh, time was spent doing stuff there. And she did her usual royal things, and then she visited one of Singapore's most proudest achievements, which also is where I worked when I was there, called the public, uh, called the uh, Housing and Development Board, which is their public housing projects. She visited the flat of a Mr. Thomas Hung, and at the Queen's request, uh, he gave her a glass of fizzy drink. Uh, of course, no special glass, just normal glass. And fizzy drink, fizzy stuff from a glass. <laughs> And I thought it was a nice story because, if you think about it, the empire of which she was the head over at one point had 52 countries under its realm. And here you have a man in a tiny one-bedroom apartment drinking fizzy glass, fizzy drink from a small little glass. What's even more amazing is uh, 30 years later when she came back, it's coming up on the screen, when she visited again in 2006, Mr. Pung, well, what did he do when she went to visit him? She gave him... He gave her uh, a glass of the fizzy drink from the same glass. (laughs) (laughs) And the Queen's response was classic Queen, okay? How curious. (laughs) Um, And uh, yes, I wonder what you would do if it was announced that the Queen, or any royalty in fact, was coming to visit you or visit your house. What would you do? Uh, You would probably clean it up for a start, wouldn't you? The walls would be given a paint. Maybe the floors would be redecorated, maybe, and you would have to make your bed. <laughs> maybe. But apart from all that, I wonder what they would really be like. Who, who is this person? Who is the queen? How should I react to them? How should I speak to them? Should I give them a gift, or should I give them fizzy drink, like Mr. Pump? The book of Mark that we're going to be looking at in preparation for Jesus Weeks is about a very important royal visit. And that is the royal visit of God himself. I'm going to start looking at this passage by looking at the end, verse 14 and 15. So if you look at uh, your outlines there, and look at verse 14 and 15, listen to what Jesus said. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, we start here because I think it gives the context for actually the main thing that he's going to say. So the first point that's coming up uh, is really the earth-shaking news of the kingdom of God. Now, if we've been Christians a while, sometimes familiarity can actually breed uh, a bit of contempt. We kind of think we know the story and we get so familiar that we miss the impact and actually we miss the meaning for us. Heard it all before. This again, but if that's you, or if you're distracted by maybe the noise out there or the busyness of the day, take a fresh look at the news of God, the news of the hour. He talks about the gospel, and the gospel means news or important news. Uh, Someone has described it as hectic news, (laughs) groundbreaking news. Uh, Unlike the false news that comes out of Trumpsville, if this is important, truthful news, God has got something important to say. Now, gospel was a word used by the emperor of the day, and they would uh, announce the gospel, the news, the important news about some uh, important event, like a military victory or whatever it might be. But God's big news here is about his kingdom, the promised gospel of his kingdom. 
Now, as many of you uh, know, and perhaps you don't, hundreds of years before this moment in history, God promised good news or important news for his people. He promised that even though they were under occupation, he would come to save them. He would judge their enemies. You see, they've been under uh, various empires. So they've been under the Assyrian Empire, which is uh, coming up now, I think. That's right, so you can see that bit there. They've been under the Babylonian Empire. They've been under the Persian Empire. Uh, they've been under the Greek Empire. And they've been under the Roman Empire. All those years, under oppression, under rule. But look at what God says in Isaiah 40. Again, it's coming up on the screen. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, he's saying and promising that God will be known among every people, everywhere, every nation, every person. His splendor would be seen. How? Well, again, in that same chapter, Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. And that's the same gospel word in uh, Mark chapter 1. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. How is God going to show his glory? How is he going to show that he was really the boss of everyone? Well, he would come. He would come to rule the mighty arm, his power there. He would come to save. He would come to judge. In other words, he would come as the ruler of heaven and earth. And that's why it was really good news for God's people. Now, can you remember when you were younger, it was Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas Day. Can you remember the excitement? I don't know, maybe you didn't have any excitement. I remember having a lot of excitement. Uh, the Christmas tree was up, there was nothing under the tree. Uh, the socks were hanging from the fireplace, even though we didn't have a fireplace. I'm just sort of imagining what it might be like. And, um, and, and the excitement was there. The Salvation Army band was playing, playing Christmas carols. Oh, it was so exciting. And then you got, you got to the Christmas morning, and it was so close, and you came in. And there were the presents under the tree. Can you imagine the excitement of God's people as they hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God is near? At last. At last. This is what we've been waiting for. Can you imagine the news on Twitter and about what we've been saying? This news matters. I don't know what news matters to you. Um, we have a lot of stuff on our phones and we fill our head with all sorts of knowledge and stuff, isn't it? Um, but does the important news get crowded out? And, and God says it's such important news because he's coming. He's coming to judge. Of course, the reason why we don't listen to it, isn't it? Because we don't care about God. We, we innately as humans just don't let God be God in our lives. So that's why we don't care about this news. But God, he says, will bring justice to the nations. Over Australia, over China, over Trump, over Kim, 
over the Queen, even, and even over you. See, the, the big news, the important news of the hour is this. God is coming to rule. And we need to pay attention to this earth-shaking news. But how? How is it that God does come? How does this kingdom come? Well, uh, how does God come to rule? Well, that's really the main point of this passage. That was just the sort of context. But how is it that uh, God comes and makes his mark? Well, that's our second point today. And Mark's main point, the earth-shaking news, is about the king of the kingdom. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Take a look. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, at first, it looks like Mark's confused. Didn't you just say the gospel was about the kingdom, and now the gospel is about Jesus Christ there? Well, no. Is this gospel about Jesus the Christ, or is it about God's kingdom? Well, of course, it's about both, because Christ means, if you know or if you don't know, Christ means God's anointed king. It's a title. Uh, Jewish expectations were that this king would come to bring God's kingdom. So this gospel news is, is about both, isn't it? It's about the king who comes to bring God's kingdom. And so when you read Mark's gospel, which you're going to be doing, and when you hear the Mark drama, it's all about Jesus the king. The gospel is about Jesus, the Christ. <coughs> I think uh, I've been looking on the, the news and seeing Trump. <coughs> Actually, I should say he must be the person that must not be named. He is the president of the United States. And um, uh, you've been seeing on the news that even though he's meant to be the most powerful person in the world, at the moment I've just noticed slowly that his authority has been sort of cut back. You notice that? He's kind of... Uh, you know, he's accountable to the Senate and the Congress, and the Senate and the Congress, well, they don't like him very much at the moment, so they keep voting against the things that he wants to do. And he's president. He's a president with stunted power. But Mark is going to show that Jesus has the title, the king, the cross, the ruler, and the power. He's going to show what it means to be the king of the kingdom. But verse 1, if you look carefully, is really the beginning of the gospel about the Christ. And that beginning happened a long time ago, 800 years previously, and, and uh, during the time of the prophets. And uh, both Malachi and Isaiah prophesied. So Malachi said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Isaiah said, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. See, both of them promised that one would come who would announce God's kingdom or God's coming. Um, Malachi says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So it's like a prophet-like prophet figure, Elijah-like figure. And that's why John, when we were reading it just now, John the Baptist comes out when he's dressed like Elijah. He's dressed as this prophet. He comes in preparation for the king. He comes in preparation for the Christ. And have you ever seen one of those pre presidential kind of uh, cars, stream of cars, and they travel through a city, and what happens, who goes before them? Well, all those police officers on their bikes riding, closing the roads, happens in Singapore, they 
a 20 kilometer stretch of road so that the president could drive down and go to the airport. <laughs> John is kind of like the police outright. He's preparing the way. He's sort of saying, he's coming. And look at verse 4. So John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sinners. What was John's message? He was telling people to turn back to God. Turn back to God in readiness for God's coming, just as the prophets had said. You see verse 7, take a look. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals are not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. He's saying God is coming soon. He's coming. Do you see how the uh, tension in the story is building? The preparer was promised. The preparer is here. Guess who's coming next? Verse 9. At that time Jesus came. Now, take a pause. Take a look at verse 9 to 13, just for the person next to you, and ask the question, with that sort of background of Jesus the King and the Great One, what, if anything, is surprising about verses 9 to 13? Take just two minutes just to do that. What's surprising about verses 9 to 13? <laughs> Introducing the king. 
I mean, even, even in at least of the other Gospels, it shows that Jesus overcomes the temptation. Here, it doesn't even say that. <laughs> this king doesn't really look like a king. This is the coming of the Christ, but not quite as we were expecting. And yet, it's in this coming, in this bizarre introduction, that we understand that he is the Christ. In the middle of the most unexpected moment, in the middle of the baptism, we hear God's voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now, throughout the scriptures, God's chosen kings, God's kings, were referred to as his sons. In fact, in Psalm 2, um, when uh, God was talking to David, his Christ, his Messiah, he says, you are my son, today I have begotten you. What is God declaring about Jesus? He's declaring he's the king. He is his son, the Christ. But why is it? Why is it that God chooses that moment to declare that Jesus is the Christ and the King? Why does he say, with you I am well pleased? Why in that moment? Well, again, why does God use this moment to say what he says? Again, with the person next to you, have another two-minute discussion about why you think he says what he says and when he says it. There's a, only a, a number of times in the Old Testament where he does say that. And one of those places is in Isaiah 42. He says, Behold my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. See, God's delight is in his servant. There's this uh, servant figure in Isaiah who comes and he will carry out God's will. He's the righteous one. He will bring justice to the nations. But in another part, it also says, this servant will rescue his people by dying. In other words, 
It's the servant who will save his people from their sin and bring judgment. And I think that's justice. And I think that's why the first thing Mark reports of Jesus is that he was baptised. His baptism is like a sign of identifying with our sin and his dealing with it. He who was without sin became sin for us. And that was the plan of God. In fact, Jesus says as much later on in the Gospel. He says his death is his baptism. See, that's why God is pleased with him. This is his son. This is the Christ who will save. And that's why Mark, I think, records Jesus, that he's tempted by Satan straight after. He's driven into the desert. Satan tempts him. He doesn't want Jesus to do God's will. He doesn't want him to go to a cross. And he will do anything to stop Jesus from doing so. He'll even use Jesus' closest friends in Mark chapter 8, Peter. Get behind me, Satan, when Peter doesn't like the idea that he's going to the cross. See, Satan tempts him and uh, wants him not to go. Satan, he's God's adversary. He knows what God's plan is. He knows the king has come to destroy him. His days are numbered. And he will do anything to stop the king. It's like in one of those old World War II movies. Have you seen those where uh, France is occupied by the Germans? And um, the, uh, the parachuters, or the parachute regiment, uh, parachute behind enemy lines, and they fight hard, and the enemy gets hold of this news, and they try and, you know, fight bitterly back. Satan knows what's going to happen. And so he does his best to stop it. And right from the start, right from the start, Mark wants us to hear the paradox of the Christ. God's king, but also his servant. Meekness, humility, but also majesty. He's helping us feel the tension, feel the excitement. Mark is going to take us on a journey. What is the kingdom about? What is this king like? Do you really know him? And as we come to Jesus Week's next semester, that's really important that you know him, isn't it? Because how can you tell of someone else when you don't know who they are? And that's why we have Jesus Christ, isn't it? The gospel is news. News for our rebellious world. And, and news needs to be declared, announced, clearly. Did you notice in Mark chapter 1, all the voices, all the speaking going on? The prophets, what do they do? Well, they announce the announcer. When the announcer comes, John, what does he do? He announces the Christ. What does God do? He announces who this Jesus is as God's Son, the Christ. And as Jesus comes, he declares, the kingdom of God has come. Do you hear the voice? And we, as Christians, all do it to some degree. We all announce this gospel. If you are a Christian here, you will say, Jesus is Lord. That is the heart of the gospel. And in some way, you do announce it. Uh, we did a video survey um, in uh, Maroubra in Sydney when we were on a mission a few years ago. And we asked people, if we uh, had the saving message for the world, do you think we should speak it? And you know what? Nine out of ten people said, yes, you definitely should speak it. This was out on the streets in Maroubra. And that shocked me because I thought, well, no, maybe you should just keep your religion to yourself. I thought that was the attitude it was going to be. But no, I'm saying, tell them. They've given you permission. 
know how long, actually, uh, on campus. We don't know how long we've got where we will openly and um, perhaps with permission speak to others out there or in here. We, we don't know when we're going to be thrown off campus. But once we do, and we have that advantage now, let's take advantage of it. Get stuck into the mark drama. Seriously. Go to find out about it in the next half an hour. Keep offering to read the Bible with your friends. Open Mark's Gospel up until you find out more. And make sure you take part in writing. And I know it seems scary, but uh, uh, it's who we are. As Christians, we speak Jesus as Lord. We have incredible news. But you'll only tell others when you know it and believe it yourself. Mr. Pun, we're going to finish where we started. Mr. Pun, he, uh, he had the Queen come visit uh, twice, and he kept the glance, and he still got the glance of the Queen drove from But really, it didn't change his life. He was quite. But Jesus, the King of God's kingdom, really ought to shake your world. It should change everything. He says it there in verse 15 again. Take a look. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Those are commands. They are not preferences. The news about Jesus is so big that it ought to shake your world. Has it shaken your world? Has it shaken your world? You might have grown up in church. Maybe you didn't. You might have grown up learning about Jesus, that he's the king. And maybe you didn't. But what shows you believe in Jesus is when you repent and trust him. Repent means to change your thinking about how you're living. That is, you're not living for yourself anymore. And believe means to trust Jesus, the King, to put your life in his hands, to follow him, to obey him. Has the gospel shaken your world? Is this who you live for? Or are you still living for you? Your own aspirations, your own pleasure, or your own will? Who really is the boss? Is he your boss on the sports field? Is he your boss in your studies? Is he your boss even in the private moments at home? God's rule has come, says Jesus. I am the king, says Jesus. So live with him as your king. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Shall we pray? Father God, we, uh, we know that we turn aside from you and we often live our own way. Father, we're sorry for that. And we pray, Father, that you would help us change our minds about the way we live and live for Jesus. Help us grow in the knowledge of your Son and grow up to maturity to be like him, to live like him, and to love him. We pray all this in Jesus' name.
Josh, my third year primary, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. So if you'd like to join me, just stay. Father God, we thank you that you are a loving God who sent your Son into the world to declare the great news of salvation through the forgiveness of sins on the cross. We thank you for our uni and the opportunities that we have to share your gospel, to be a light in this um, place with so many students eager to hear um, ideas and learn what uh, is their identity and meaning in life. Father, we pray for our group as we go through some changes in the next few weeks and months. We pray for our extraordinary general meeting coming up next week. We pray that many people will come and have their say on changing our name to the Uni Bible Group. And we pray, Lord, that if that name is changed, we will use it as a great opportunity to proclaim Jesus' name on campus. Father, we also pray for the Mark drama. We thank you for the Mark drama a couple of years ago that provided so many opportunities to uh, start conversations and for many people to hear the Gospel of Mark for the first time. We pray that as we prepare, prepare for that, for the start of next semester in Jesus' week, we pray that you might prepare uh, 15 people to volunteer to be in that drama. And Lord, we pray that uh, you will use that in incredible ways to present your gospel. Father, we also pray for unis uh, around New South Wales and Australia. Uh, we thank you that so many unis are proclaiming your gospel. Uh, we pray for Charles Sturt University in Albury. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for the university Bible study there. Uh, we pray, Lord, particularly as they look for a new staff worker for their campus next year. Uh, that you would support that and provide the right person. We also pray that you will keep encouraging um, each of them to live life for Jesus and be bold in your campus. Father, we pray as we go out today and this week and uh, the rest of the semester that we might live for you and proclaim boldly your gospel. Lord, we pray this all knowing that you do hear us, knowing that you do love us, and we pray for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.